Do you know who was named the best putting mat in 2022 by my golf spy? It was the mats from Birdie Ball. It'll help you sink more putts and make more birdies with a Birdie Ball putting green, all in the comfort of your own home. Check out Birdie Ball online at birdieball.com. Birdie Ball is here to make golf more fun and accessible. Find out more at birdieball.com. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Tomorrow's going to be better than today. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green here on AM860 in Portland, in stations in Texas, Pennsylvania, and Oklahoma. Uh, Also on the Golf News Net, iHeartRadio app, uh, we air Saturday afternoons, I believe, at noon Eastern Time. Anyway, uh, we've got Terry Kaler with us today. If you know anything about golf and you've been around for more than a week, you know, uh, Terry is known as the Wedge Guy, and we're going to tell you more about Terry in just a second. This segment of Grilling at the Green is brought to you by Painter Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and also Birdie Ball. Uh, John Breaker and his family back there in Evergreen, Colorado, do a great job with a great little practice uh, and training aid, Birdie Balls. They look like napkin rings. They don't fly like napkin rings, and if you've got a limited place to practice or play uh take a look at birdie balls just go to birdieballs.com um one last quick thing we've got the portland classic this week the lpga tournament out at columbia edgewater uh country club and i'll be out there for a couple of days stop by and say hi um we want to welcome back to the show terry keeler uh kaler excuse me i'll get it right terry eventually i promise um terry's been on the show before if you like I said, know anything about golf, golf clubs. Terry's been around a long time, and uh, he also does uh, some writing under the handle The Wedge Guy. But more importantly, uh, a few years ago, he helped bring back the the Ben Hogan brand, which I happen to have a set of Hogan clubs. And uh, it, it's a sad thing that that went away, Terry, again, but... Uh, I got some good clubs out of it. I'll say that before it went away. So, yeah, <laughs> I like that. Anyway, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Just staying really busy with uh, with the Edison Wedge Company and doing the kind of work I like to do, which is pushing the envelope on wedge performance. And um, you talk to golfers every week, every day. And so, uh, you know, life can't be too bad. No. And uh, you were kind enough after the last time I was on the show, you sent me a wedge. I talked to your guys um, where we live. Uh, I live in the Northwest and we have all kinds of different terrain on golf courses. Some of them are very manicured and nice. And some of them look like you're uh, blazing the Chisholm trail again. So uh, <laughs> that's really come in handy. And I wanted to thank you for that. That was, that was really good. Um, so what is going on in the, in the wedge development business? Uh, just to kind of start us off here. Well, you know, one of the reasons that I really started focusing on the wedge category 30 years ago was that <clears throat> this is around 1990, the wedges that we were seeing in the market were almost identical to what I was playing in high school in the 60s. And mm-hmm. uh, in my young adulthood in the 70s, there was very little evolution in wedges. And 
I just thought we could do a better job uh, that, you know, to bring a higher level of playability. And I've always been very focused. By the time I've been in the golf industry 10 years, been designing putters and really analyzing all kind of golf club performance and had some real greats of the industry share things with me. And so I got very focused on wedges and, you know, I'm looking at your backdrop of this, uh, your podcast there at St. <laughs> Andrews. And, and it was right there that I came up with my first wedge idea. My brother and I were on a golf trip to Scotland and, and, uh, and we're staying there and, and uh, the tight turf over there was just giving me all kind of blues with my, with my wedge, whatever I was playing at the time is one of the major brands. And uh, we were over in Octoloni's golf shop, which is kind of behind you there. And, and I saw a grinding wheel and I asked him if I could do a little, just an idea came to me. And so I did kind of my first crude iteration of what we call the Kaler sole. And it's putting two positive bounce angles in the bottom of the golf club so that the wedge can act like a high bounce wedge when it needs to, and it can act like a low bounce wedge when it needs to. And um, so I've been refining that sole for over 30 years now and just keep making it better and better, but nobody's ever come up with anything equal to it in versatility. You know, the, the wedge category is all about various grinds and this kind of thing. And, but as you just said in your, in your intro there, you know, most of us play on golf courses that can throw anything out of soft turf, soft turf, firm turf, tight lies, fluffy lies, you know, wet sand bunkers, dry sand bunkers. So to me, that that wedge has to have a sole that's got the widest range of versatility that you can possibly build into it. And so that was where my whole wedge thing got started. And from there, I've been uh, designing and developing, you know, each next generation of that I come up with is designed to improve wedge performance. And so way out, I'm way outside the box from where the big brands are. Do you think, and this is, this is a little off, but I, I know you'd maybe appreciate this question. Do you think that, when we're watching a tournament on television or in person, and I think a lot of people, especially if they haven't seen too many tournaments, they don't realize that a lot of the courses that these, doesn't matter if it's LPGA or PGA or whatever, the sand in those bunkers, first of all, is not the same sand that Terry and Jeff play in at their local club or local muni. I mean, ours is river sand. Theirs is like silica or something. And we see these really pretty wedge shots out of there, out of the trap and the white sand. I've got a lot of pictures of it. You know, white sand is fluffing up over the top of the lip of the bunker and the ball comes out like that. Uh, that's not what we get all the time when we're playing. We get, like you just said, a whole lot of different um, terrains and, uh, you know, different components in the ground that we're trying to hit off of. And uh, can that kind of affect people's mentality when they go to hit a wedge shot? They see what they see what Mickelson did or something. And then they come back and they see what Tracy's trying to do. And I skull the bloody thing. So, you know, <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the thing is the tour players, it's no secret. They play for the bunkers, you know, and it's a safe place for them because the PGA tour has a bunker standard. And if you watch the bunker shots these guys hit, you'll typically see the the darker colored sand when they hit that explosion shot because there's moist sand a half an inch to three quarters of an inch under the dry sand. And and that moist sand underneath provides a really nice rejection of the golf club. And, and there's a PGA Tour standard for 
for sand like there is for everything else. And so these guys get to play essentially the same bunker texture every week. But understand also, these elite 120, 150, 250 players that are making their living playing the game, these are the best of the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they don't have a radio show and they don't run a golf club company and they don't go to the bank or the insurance company every day. They work on their golf game day in, day out, all day long. It's their job. Those guys will hit more practice scoring shots around the greens in any given week than most golfers will in a lifetime because they know they have to be able to get up and down from everywhere and they practice incessantly. And, you know, I think that that carries over to, to one, you know, they get to play the best turf conditions, the best sand condition. They're playing the elite courses of the world every week. They don't deal with the variety of lies we do. They also have these tour vans following them around. So if, if it rains or something and, uh, and, and the turf gets soft, then, um, you know, they're going to go to the tour van and get wedges with a little more bounce in them than maybe they would have played otherwise. And, and they're ma magicians. Like I've worked with tour players. They can feel things in a golf club, Jeff, we can hardly measure. So, you know, their skills are further apart from the recreational golfer in the wedge game than anywhere else. I mean, you've seen guys that can really put the ball well. You've seen guys that drive the ball well, hit good iron shots. But these guys are just insanely good around the greens because they spend so many hours practicing that. You know, they know how important that is. So the rest of us, you know, we buy a set of wedges, we make that investment, and those wedges better be good for year-round play on the courses you play. They got to be good for your golf vacation no matter where you're taking it. And, you know, you don't have the luxury of having a tour van following you around to get different wedges every time the conditions change. So – um, their game and our games are entirely different. And what I do in the wedge category is I don't worry about tour players. They got Bob Bokey and brilliant people taking care of them. I'm focused on how do I build wedges for the Jeff Tracy's of the world who need to buy a set of wedges and they need to work for a few years on every course you play, every shot you play. And, um, and that's really what I do. And it's a very different, uh, it's a very different design criteria than trying to design for a tour player. Terry Kaler and I will be back. He is uh uh, the developer of the Kaler Soul and known as the Wedge Guy, among many other things. And I'm known as a uh, a big talker. How's that? So Terry and I'll be back right after this. Please stay with us. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. <laughs> Hey, welcome back to uh, Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. You can find us uh, on all the different platforms around, and uh, you can watch the video version of this on YouTube here in a week or so. It'll get out. But first, we need our – this is the tough thing for me to say, Terry. Uh, we need our uh, golf trip travel tip every week. I don't know why I called it that because I, I stumble on it all the time. Um, you've You've traveled a lot uh you i know you've been to st andrews and that um we usually try to get our guests to share with our audience a little travel tip uh sometimes it's about clubs sometimes it's about flight sometimes it's about driving uh what would be a quick travel uh tip from terry you know i've done a lot of flying around on business and to me and this is just me and maybe different for other people i despise being rushed to do anything and to me 
a trip starts off really poorly if you're pushing yourself to get to the airport on time, get through the luggage on it, get through baggage, get through check-in. And I'd rather get to the airport 30 or 45 minutes before I really need to be there so I can just relax and start my trip out in a great frame of mind instead of being all stressed out and running through the airport and schlepping your equipment and your clubs and trying to get everything to baggage claim. So my best travel tip, my, my travel became so much more pleasant when I finally determined I'd rather spend an extra hour at the airport than be 10 minutes short on time and have to rush. There you go. Uh, there's your uh, golf trip travel tip from uh, Terry Kaler. And we'd like to thank the folks at the Weston dealerships. Uh, after almost 40 years, they've got one thing in mind, and that's customer service. I've known these guys since I was a kid, and they do just that. The Western the Weston family is a great group. That's Weston Kia uh buick and gmc over in uh, gresham oregon we thank them for that so what's something that when people are looking at wedges whether it's an edison wedge or whether it's uh, cleveland or whatever it is what's something that people should look at terry uh, especially if they're fairly new they haven't played much golf you know maybe they buy a, a starter set if you will from you know, off the rack or whatever. And of course we talk a lot on the show off and on about getting the proper fitting for the clubs and this and that, but if they're just getting started and they're not even sure they're going to like it. And like you said, in the other segment, you know, wedges are delicate and finicky at best sometimes, even for great players, what should they look for? Is it just how the club feels in their hand? Is it the weight? Is it, uh, I mean, all people have different opinions, but you're the wedge guy. And I know you would know. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I think the first thing when you're looking at wedges, you need to look at what kind of shafts do you have in your irons? And, you know, more and more people are going to graphite and lightweight steel. And as we age, we go to softer, you know, R flexes or maybe even A flexes mm -hmm. to pick a wedge off of the retail display with that stock, heavy, stiff steel shaft. You're not going to be happy with that. You're not going to optimize your performance. And so, you know, the first thing I think and this is to is to find wedges with the shaft. And I'm also, you know, you can go into a hitting bay and you can pull a driver and, and you can hit shots off that tee with the launch monitor, which is kind of way golf club sales have gone now. And you can quickly figure out what driver is going to work for you. You can tend to work through that with your with your middle irons. They're all the fittings are off six and seven irons, which is another whole topic that I have a problem with. But I really believe that if, if you're shopping for wedges and they will not let you take the exact wedge you're looking at buying to your golf course to, to play a few rounds with it, to hit the shots you're going to face, to see how it interacts with the turf you have, with the, you know, how that little chip on number three and that, that you know, nasty bunker on the right of number six or whatever. You've got to play a few rounds of golf and you've got to see how that, how those club, that club performs on full swings. Do you like the feel of it? Do you like the launch? Do you like the spin you're seeing? And, uh, and I'm a big believer. If they won't let you do that, then don't buy from them. We have a 100% risk-free trial on our wedges because I want you to go play three or four rounds with this golf club, and you will see that what we're doing is really different and better than what everybody else is doing. And, you know, I'm willing to let you take that club. We'll build it custom for you. Go use it. Play three or four rounds with it. Hit the shots, you know. And if, if if you you can't get you can't just buy a wedge off the rack and assume it's going to be great for everything. So you know we custom build everything, but we do build everything with a hundred percent risk free trial. Because if you don't like it, 
the last thing in the world I want is you telling all your friends that you got stuck with it because you don't like it. Yeah. So, uh, and we get we get a few back, about three out of a hundred. Two of those people thought we were in the miracles business, and we're not in the miracles <laughs> business. But um, you know, there are, nobody ever made a golf club that everybody liked, and and that's just the nature of golf clubs. So, um, you know, the the main thing is you've got to get that wedge out in the turf, hitting chip shots, hitting mid range wedge shots, hitting full swing shots. You've got to see if that's going to be your friend and partner for the next, you know, two or three years or however long you plan to keep it. You know, I will, I will tell you this when, when you sent me the club, it took me a couple of rounds to get used to it because it was different than what I was used to playing with. Um, I love it, but I, I, I'm just being honest. It took me a couple of rounds to get used to, to hitting it now. Um, like I said, we have all kinds of different terrain up here and our weather, uh, as you know, you know about the Northwest, uh, maybe not as much as I do, but you can have a hot summer and you can have four feet of snow in the winter and you can have all kinds of different, um, uh, greenery and, uh, shrubs growing that you didn't know even existed and your ball can end up in them. So, you know, it's gotta be, uh, a very, uh, uh, versatile club and that's what i liked about it i still like about it but uh, i did that and uh every club, every club can take a little getting used to i have one of my golf buddies here that went out and got fitted for a new set of irons and you know they were considerably different than what he had played before and you know it he he was going through a three or four round adjustment because his yardages were a little off trajectories a little different he said i think i like them but they're different than what yeah. i had and the jury was still out on whether he really liked them or not but we have people that that you know still lost the same thing that you did is it took me a few rounds but now you couldn't get them out of my hands but we have other people say wow from the very first shot i was sold you know and, yeah. and that's different for different golfers but you know if you don't change the golf club performance then why buy a new one if you're not yeah. going to get different performance and that was you know what what my research has shown with golfers is golfers have gotten a little you know apathetic toward wedges because their history is they haven't gotten the same purchase satisfaction with wedges that they've always gotten with irons or drivers or fairways or a new putter, you know, a new putter always works at least for a while. Yep. And, you know, I mean, when we spend money on golf clubs, we want to see different and the Edison difference is real. They, they look different so they can work different. Yep. Absolutely. We're going to take another break. We're going to be back with uh Terry Kaler from Edison wedges and uh, Terry's the wedge guy. He's, invented and created hundreds of putters and so on and so forth. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. You're listening to Grilling at the Green. Do you know who was named the best putting mat in 2022 by my golf spy? It was the mats from Birdie Ball. It'll help you sink more putts and make more birdies with a Birdie Ball putting green, all in the comfort of your own home. Check out Birdie Ball online at birdieball.com. Birdie Ball is here to make golf more fun and accessible. Find out more at birdieball.com. Welcome back to Grilling It's Green. Again, we'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended. Um, I'm going to be over there in Fossil next month. Uh, I bet you Terry doesn't know this. They have a six-hole PGA-rated golf course course over there you have to play it three times it was created for a lumber mill crew that lived there they sold the mill 
They sold the houses that the people at the mill worked in, but they couldn't sell the golf course. So they gave it to the community. You might put across an elk track, but it's still there. And it's a lot of fun. Also, uh, Pig Powder, my uh, co-partner and co-pilot in my barbecue show, Leanne Whippen. This is her stuff, the pigpowder.com. It was awarded the best rub on the planet. So, and it's good stuff. I use it all the time. By the way, Terry, this show is going to become a television show. Uh, starting this fall, we're going into production in October. Uh, we're doing some some cooking and we're doing some uh, profile interviews with people and a little travel. And we've got Clarence on a couple of the channels. So it's going to be a fun thing. We're going to bring some levity to golf, which oh, I think great. it sorely needs at times. <laughs> yeah, it does. When um, let me ask you this. You said you started in advertising. I have a being in the media business, you kind of get thrown into the advertising and marketing world too, whether you like it or not, because you won't survive if you don't know anything about it. I understand business. I understand. But the development of, of constantly bringing out some, some companies seem like they do it twice a year, new sets of irons, new sets of drivers, new sets of this. I mean, uh, it's almost overwhelming. And, you know, to be honest, I'm not cheap, but I'm also not going to pay $700 for a driver. That's just not something I'm going to do. Uh, you know, I kind of have like a $400 limit range. It's a supreme allied commander. My wife told me that years ago. But the point, point is, what's the deal behind that? Do they actually make that pay? Um, from the constant development of and new launches of, of the different uh, club series, or can they not figure out a way to market and, and stay with a really good set? Um, it's, it's always something that's kind of intrigued me. Well, you know, I think that's kind of a vicious circle, you know, historically back in, and, and I think that golf can be kind of divided into the pre-technology revolution that happened in the 90s with the advent of oversized middle woods and multi-materials and, you know, this kind of thing. But, you know, golf companies used to, in the old days of McGregor, Wilson, Spalding, Hogan, you know, they were the, the companies, you had Ram and some other companies around. And they didn't proliferate designs that much because there wasn't a whole lot you could do with the persimmon driver. There wasn't a whole lot you could do with a with a blade iron. You know, you change the cosmetics a little bit. Hogan used to be on a three or four year cycle, and just to kind of keep something fresh out there. Sure. But but you know, you you kept a product out there long enough for word of mouth to get around. Golfers, by and large, are pretty pragmatic. They want to see what their buddy thinks of it. They want to kind of see that product out there. Well, then. It got really crazy in the early 2000s and 2010s, and some of the companies were coming out with a new driver every six, eight, nine months, and you know they were just kind of wearing out the retailers and wearing out the consumers. But there, there, there is a group of super consumers in golf, um, and and I, I've heard that it's 700 to 900,000 golfers that are super consumers. They're going to buy the brand newest thing, and they're buying. They're spending a tremendous amount of money on golf clubs because they enjoy it and they can afford it. Um, I read an interesting uh, comment by Justin Rose, tour player, a while back that he said, I can skip one year or one generation of driver technology, but I can't afford to skip two. So, you know, but the technologies are moving fast. But I think a lot of the technologies in golf are more about 
the companies need to keep something fresh in front of the consumer than the consumer demanding better and better and better. Mm -hmm. And so you see categories like wedges that change very, very slowly. You see categories like drivers that have gone through multiple technical upheavals. Um, you know, now we've got all the multi-material carbon crowns, carbon faces that Taylor made. So, you know, but but the the technology of golf clubs is very interesting, but it's still, you know, the Indian and the, it, it's still the Indian and the arrow, um, you know, and uh, there's no magic bullets out there. Like I said, you know, I'm not I'm not in the the miracles business. I make wedges. And so, you know, I'm a big believer in proper technique and proper instruction. And whether you're driving a car or wielding a fly rod or, you know, buying a, a barbecue grill, sure. there's still a level of skill that has to go along with that device you bought. You can buy the best grill in the world, but if you're crummy with it, you're still going to turn out crummy food, right? Right. So, <laughs> um, but, but golf is, you know, it, it's a big part about the Indian and, and there is a, segment of golfers that really want to get better and they'll turn to lessons, practice and equipment and that, that, you know, that circle, mm -hmm. that triangle, if you will. And there are other golfers who play golf two or three days a week, don't know where the practice range is because that's not interesting to them. They're, you know, they may go buy new stuff all the time, but they're not going to go practice. They're not going to take lessons. I have a friend uh, who is very proud of the fact that he's never taken a lesson in his life and, you know, his golf shows it. You know, but he's happy with that. So, you know, it, it, everybody's got a secret on level. That's a wonderful thing about this game. The, but the technology does move. Um, you know, again, wedges, it's moved slower than other categories. Driver, it's moved faster than other categories. We're seeing a tremendous movement in the irons category now with a lot of multi-material work with tungsten inserts and speed foam and all these things. But, you know, it comes down to, does that golf club do what you expected it to do and what you wanted it to do? Where did they come up with this? I mean, are these guys all genius engineers? And they, and they, I know when I create different shows, not just a show on one topic like golf, but if we're creating a new show to produce, sometimes you, you know, you go out on the porch and you sit there with a cold one and you just let your mind wander. Does the does the engineering process, the creative process kind of work that way with with clubs also? Well, you know, I'm kind of a, a, a conservative cynic sometimes in that regard. And, and I think that we're that a lot of times what the golf club, the new generation golf club is more of a cosmetic overhaul of, of the previous club than it is genuine technical innovation. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think sometimes the technical innovation can get carried away. For example, you know, irons, they're building these fast faces and multi-material technology with the, to win the launch monitor war because irons are being sold in custom fitting and you're in the hitting bay hitting six iron after six iron after six iron. Well, if this six iron goes shorter, it loses. So now everybody's trying to make the longest hitting six iron. They're lowering the loss, lowering the CG, playing technology games to make your six iron go as far as your five iron used to go because it essentially is your old five iron and a different wrapper. But mm -hmm. but they're they're not replacing. They're not making you better inside scoring range. And my whole world in the golf is you know if you're outside eight or nine iron range then you really just want to get it around the greens and not do damage. If you're, 
and have a nine iron or, a, or wedges in your hand, whether you're trying to break 90 or 100 or whether you're trying to break par, this is when you score. And a lot of people don't realize it, but the PGA hole is over par outside nine iron range. So these 20 under and 18 under scores and 25 under scores, you see them shoot. They're shooting those on golf courses that put a lot of wedges in their hands. They put a lot of wedge shots in their hands. And that's when they can go, whoever's on this week can go low. But, you know, and there's always a handful of guys that are just hitting on all cylinders on any given week. Sure. So, but but golf equipment, I'm not going to slide it at all. No. I mean, I see people playing outdated equipment. It's like you're leaving a lot of shots out there. You're leaving a lot of opportunity out there because your equipment is old and antiquated. You know, it's not like driving your 79 Chevy pickup because you just like the old thing, but it it's not as good as your new one, you know? So, right. you know, par fours are not supposed to be a driver three wood five iron. That's, I mean, yeah. that's not the game. So, and so my thing is, is, is play off at, at, at whatever level of seriousness is what you want for yourself and find, and find people to play with that share that enthusiasm at whatever level you want it to be. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, you know, I, I play with a group of guys. There's never any money game on the line or anything. Just, everybody just goes out and plays for fun. But we all play to a different level. I play to a low single digit. Some of these guys play to a high double. But we all enjoy each other's company. And so we play golf because we enjoy each other's company. And, you know, we cheer each other on when they have a good shot. And, you know, what I consider a good shot and what my friend Rick might consider a good shot are different. But I recognize what's good for him, and he recognizes what's good for me, and we cheer each other on. So there, that, there to me, go. is what golf is all about. There you go. We're going to take another break. We're going to come back with Terry Kaler from Edison Wedges and the Wedge Guy, and we're going to wrap this up. But Terry is sticking around for after hours. He has no idea what he's getting into there. But we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. Like I said, you can you can uh, contact us if you want. Just uh, go to the website. Uh, we've got a place you can contact us there. You can just go to info at grilling at the green dot net. And we're on um, the radio stations, of course, but we're on Captivate and Apple and iHeart and Golf News Net channel and all these places. Anyway, we're talking with uh, Terry Taylor from uh, Edison Wedges. When you did you think you were going to end up working and developing wedges when you 35 years ago when you started? Well, I got out of college. I always jokingly tell people after a few years in the car business and the banking business and the advertising business, by the time I was 27, I figured out I was completely unemployable. So I decided to go start my own marketing firm. And that's how I got involved in golf with the Ray Cook Putter Company in San Antonio back in 1980. And I was very blessed. I went and picked up some other small accounts, but I was, I was always the kid that took my toys apart to see how they worked. And I was at my dad's elbow taking fishing reels apart to, to work on them, taking our shotguns apart to work on them, you know, uh, and just reloading ammunition and fixing things. So, you know, being a lifelong golfer, I don't remember life before golf. And, you know, I was always raised if you're going to get into something, you know, get into it deep. And so I started really learning how golf clubs work, asking a lot of questions and, 
moved into putter design and and from there moved into wedge design. And I sometimes look back at my 40 years in the golf industry and it feels like it's flown by. And other times it feels like I've been in it a century. But yeah, I'm very blessed at 71. I have my health. I have my skills. My golf skills have not eroded too much. And, um, you know, we get older, we lose some distance. But yeah, uh, but but for the most part, I've had a very blessed life. So well, you've done a lot with it. You're kind of a renaissance guy in a way, Terry. And I, I like that because I identify with that. Um, Back to the wedges. For how far do you think we can go? Is is the is the the wedges are the wedges i should say that you're designing now um is that the apex or is that just the beginning i think i'm way past the beginning i think the beginning or you know we'll credit gene saracen with the idea of creating a sand wedge by putting a big bounce on the bottom of the golf club and nobody's really done a whole lot with it um if you look at most of the wedges on the market today and particularly five years ago we're very similar to that old design. You'll see, I started putting a lot more mass in the higher in the golf club. There's, there's certain indisputable laws, uh, indisputable laws of golf club performance. And the higher the weight is on the club, the lower the launch angle and the higher the spin rate. That's why we're, all of our drivers are, you know, carbon fiber crowns and all the weight on the bottom. We got the Holy grail in drivers is high launch and low spin. Well, you want exactly the opposite, opposite of that in your wedges. So I think I'm pushing, I know I'm pushing the envelope further than anybody else does because I don't have tour players to cater to and tell me I don't like this. I don't care if tour players like it at all. That 12 handicapper is in love with it. So, you know, that's who I'm serving. Um, but I don't think there's ever, you know, a total limit. I think you get closer and closer to it. I mean, the driver guys, you know, we thought at Big Bertha that, man, that's all you can do to a driver. And Big Bertha is horribly inferior to what we have today. So, you know, the golf ball, the same thing, you know, and, um, but you know, I think the, if you're into the design world, the quest to always make something better is there. And I'm still working on prototypes for what might be the next generation and try things. And if they don't work, you scrap them and try something else. Always trying to get a little better. I think no matter whether you're cooking barbecue or doing a radio show or whatever, you're always trying to get better at your craft. Oh yeah. Yeah. Terry, we're running out of time in the regular show. How can people find out more about Edison Wedges and about you? Um, go to edisonwedges.com. Uh, pretty full story about who we are, what we do, why we do it. We have a, a an engagement tool on there called Wedge Fit Scoring Range Analysis. You take Wedge Fit, you're going to get put into a series that I've written called Wedgeology 101, which is just a basic understanding of that I find people don't really understand wedges in. I, I just know that the more you understand about wedge performance, the more you're going to understand why we do what we do at Edison. There you go. All right. Terry Kaler, uh, he is the uh, chairman and director of innovation at Edison Wedges. And um, I can recommend them, folks. I have one. Terry gave me one, and I really like it. Um, let's not make this the last time you're on the show, buddy. Well, I'd love to come back. It's always fun talking to to people that, that appreciate what this great game is all about. And, and of course, I love talking about the wedge category and what we're doing to try to help golfers get it in the hole more efficiently. There you go. And we're going to pick this up on the other side with after hours, but until then, thanks for listening. Uh, go out, play some golf. Don't forget the LPGA is in town this week. And uh, most of all, 
try to be kind if you could out there, especially on the golf course. Take care, everybody. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved. And remember, the key to lower scores, a pencil with an eraser. See you next week.